This is the one with an opening crawl. CIA agents. The Matrix. And Skeletor. It's called The Deadly Assassin. Here, Here we, we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Hello, gorgeous people of podcast land. Hope you are doing well. <laughs> we are here again for an episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Or Doc Past, indeed. Thank you, my good friend, there being the voice of Leon. Oh, hello. That's me. Hello, podcast land. And hello, you. Who are you? I'm Jim. Marvelous. Hello, Jim. Hello, Leon. Hello, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are we talking about today? We are talking about. The Deadly Assassin. Mm, unlike so many other assassins, this one is deadly. <laughs> <laughs> the assassin what knows its job. Yes. And not the slightly wounding on the left foot assassin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is C088. Correctamundo. We're slowly but surely catching up with New Who here. You know that's not true. <laughs> Just pipped 100 on the New Who. Yeah, well, it's coming up. The next one is 100. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, ahead right. of myself. <laughs> I'll be watching too much dark and jumping around in the future. <gasps> oh, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. Well, top level, I pretty much enjoyed this. You pretty much enjoyed it, did you? Okay, I super enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I also enjoyed it. There was at least an episode and a half that I thought maybe could have been cut down to a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we'll get to that. But no, overall, high level. Yeah, yeah. I loved the crap out of this one. This must be referenced a lot, this episode, I feel, because there's a lot of firsts from kind of Gallifreyan legend and oh, certainly. settings. The identity of the Time Lords is suddenly made so much more real. I mean, we've had some Time Lords in the past as well. It's not the first time we're on Gallifrey, but I mean, we've never really seen their politics. I was about to say they're humanized, which sounds super racist, but they, I mean, they are. You know, all of a sudden they're relatable. Yeah. And they're imperfect. They are very imperfect. Mm. So, talking about relatable and imperfect things, how yeah. about we sum up this in our nicely written B-Scout? <laughs> Let's do that. Sorry, I just called your B-Scout imperfect. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Inexplicably intercepting a telepathic vision of the assassination of the Gallifreyan president, the Doctor arrives at the Panopticon, impersonates a parliamentary dignitary, and rushes to the scene of the crime to be. Alas, he is on time and too late. And just as he handles a conveniently placed rifle, a shot is fired and the president gets a window seat on the express train to Deadsville. Facing torture and vaporization without a trial at the hands of the civilized Time Lords, the companionless Doctor does the only logical thing. He runs for office, thus buying himself some time to catch the real baddies and clear his name. Does this conspiracy reach all the way to the top? Will the Doctor have to enter the Matrix where he'll be subjected to maniacal miniature trains, a crocodile and guerrilla warfare? Does the Master have something to do with it? Stay tuned to find out. Biscow over, you are welcome. Aren't you just... Oh, they are very welcome. <laughs> Would you care to start us off with a topic? Or a question? 
do we dive straight into what we've started already with yeah go for just it. gallifrey yes fantastic place to start so as far as i'm aware this is the first time we've had a solely gallifrey episode Yes, that's true. The last time was when we encountered Omega, I think, the three doctors. Okay. I think that's the last time we were on, on Gallifrey. The Time Lords were just in peril. Omega, also a Time Lord, or like one of the first Time Lords, but he was stuck in a black hole or something like that, or in a different dimension. Oh, shit, I forget. Okay. And most, if at least much of the serial was placed there. But not all of it. No. So, as in, like, there was a split in locales. Which we do get a bit of a split in here, because we get the the mind dimension of the, oh, of that's the true. Matrix. That is true, actually. But technically, this is all on Gallifrey. Yeah, exactly. It's stuck in the computer. Yeah. How cool is it that it's called the Matrix, by the way? Yeah, super cool. Yeah. They go into a computer... Oh, yeah, it's sort of a computer simulation that also doubles as a hard drive that contains copies of all Gallifrey and Mars. Yeah. And in which a Gallifrey and Mind, no, let's not spoil it yet, who <laughs> might it be, is, is sort of reigning supreme. Yeah, and I, it's called the Matrix. I kind of took this as an early idea of AI as well, like feeding all these dead Gallifreyans into the machine, effectively, all their knowledge, all their, their life history. Like it, it's not their personalities, it's not their, it's their knowledge themselves. It's like their computational power. Yeah, this is. memories. This isn't the, the Missy afterlife. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Yeah, w- because, I mean, we don't get to meet any other dead Gallifreyans or any digitized Gallifreyans. No, because I, I did briefly wonder if that's what it would be. But then they start mentioning the the mind that, that that's in that world, which yeah. we're, not, we're not saying. Oh, yet. fuck it, let's just say it. Say it. It's the master. <laughs> it's, it's the, the master. master. <laughs> did you know this was the master? In- no, I had no. no, I had no idea. It was, well, the second we got to see the Skeletor face... Then I went, oh, boom, that's the master. Problem solved. I know. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, actually, you know what? I think it's even before then, because at some point when he's still just wearing the cloak, one of his, I hesitate to say adjutants, I don't know if it's Goth or someone else, it refers to him as, oh, my master. And yeah. it felt a little bit, it, that's too big a Zero coincidence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't actually twig at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit. So how do you feel about... Wait, hang on. We've now we've now created two offshoots. We have Gallifrey and Culture, but we have the offshoots of The Matrix and The Master. Where do you want to take this? I kind of want to stay with Gallifrey and Culture, because okay. in some ways I think that's the most interesting thing about this serial. I agree. That they are incredibly flawed. They're horrible people. <laughs> yeah. We we talk about this quite a bit, I think, from time to time, that like the Doctor seems to be someone who you, you look up to and has morals that, you know, we all wish we had and this kind of thing. And then when he falls off the pedestal a bit, like, we jump on it. Yeah. And then I think occasionally we we might mention is like, well, he's a Time Lord. Time Lords are better than humans. There's always kind of thing. And but then we also bring it around that he turned his back on his race. And we're getting to see perhaps why. Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why would he want to stick around? As far as I'm aware... I haven't seen it. I mean, there's Trial of a Time Lord, which is like a whole season of Gallifrey versus the Doctor. As far as I'm aware, there are going to be plenty more occasions to create this divide between the two. Yeah. In this serial, we get to see some of the politics, majorly corrupt. Oh, yeah. And even when it's not corrupt, it's just wrought with schadenfreude. The, uh, what's his face? The president who gets killed. I can't remember his name now. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. 
when he's just like, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna be so surprised when they find out their favorite candidate is not getting the <laughs> job. I'm like, oh, you don't have to be a dick about it. Yeah, I get it. We all get it. Goth is not getting the job. But, which they never say explicitly, I think. And they do at the end. Oh, do they? I can't remember. Go- yeah, Goff himself says... Oh, it wasn't me, it's Barusa is going to get the job or something like that. I don't remember him naming Barusa, but maybe I, did, I hadn't worked out the names of Because Bar- <laughs> you referred to as the bishop, I think, at one point. Oh, Bar- really? Barusa. Barusa is a returning character, by the way. As in, uh, we okay. haven't met him yet. Or we haven't met him before, but we will meet him plenty of times later on. I, I remember Barusa... Well, I mean, I remember the name Barusa. I don't know. Maybe it's just mentioned. But I, uh, I did look him up, and there are several actors who have played Barusa as well. Uh, okay. So this is definitely, it definitely is a recurring character. Yeah, I think I read a thing saying they flesh out him being a mentor for the Doctor a bit more. I like that as well. He's a teacher. He he taught the Doctor. He, like, graded him. I mean, <laughs> we end their farewell as him giving him a mark of a 9 <laughs> yeah. out of 10. I think that's lovely. Which thing he lost a mark for? <laughs> uh, no, I think Barusa just, he never gives a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Giving 9 out of 10, that's like getting a 10 out of 10. I was sort of thinking if he played the, the politics game a bit more and was happy to rewrite history, then he would have got 10 out of 10. <laughs> okay, so we have, we have the corruption, we have the politics, that whole spiel. Then we also get at least allusions to a massive divide between the ruling class, which in this serial is referred to as the Time Lords, and the rest of Gallifreyan society, which are not Time Lords. And that's, that's sort of trans, that's transmitted by uh, what's-his-face, the TV reporter who's going to have to wear a neck brace at some point <laughs> like, partway through his career because the freaking cameras are too high up. But yeah, I mean, it, there are people tuning into this just like we have been tuning into Brexit debates recently or our friends across the pond are currently tuning into, you know, democratic debates. Yeah, I, I think I missed this then, because I, I I got the references to Prydonian. Yeah, there are different um, families. Yeah, which... Or houses. I actually, the way it was talked about, I took it as kind of like a caste system, I don't know. Oh, okay. Whether it is a slight racial thing, or... I don't know. Because the, doc- the Doctor was described as a Pry- Prydonian renegade. Yeah. Goff is a Prydonian, and I think those are the only two that are mentioned. What about Barusa? Is he not a Prydonian? I don't know if it's said or I, I didn't pick up on it. But what they were saying was that most people who are granted the title of president come from the Prydonian house. I took it to be more of a Harry Potter thing. It's like most people who are really good at wizarding, they come from Gryffindor. Most people who are asshats are Slytherin. Where it's, you know, here it's just like, it's house Prydonia, it's house whatever, Hufflepuff. But how would... Because if it's a political thing, it's... Hard to imagine the doc ever being part of it. Like, I guess he's he's referred to as a renegade, so he could have started it and then just run away. But like a, a house thing at school, you just put into. You don't think about it. If it was some That's kind true. of political organization, what about a family? Be more is it is it a family? Family just seems or, too or small. Is it regional? Maybe it's regional. Well, I like your cast theory, but that seems super plausible. And it also would suggest that that divide between them and regular Gallifreyans, the people who are just watching this on TV. Yeah, so there are three of them that are named, by the looks of it. So you've got the Prydonians, the Arcalians, and the Patrexes. Oh, oh classic Patrexes. <laughs> okay. Although, sorry, I'm looking at a, a quote from Runcible, and he does say, and so on. He's describing the colours that they're wearing. <laughs> so maybe there are loads of them, actually. 
Possibly. Oh, I don't know. It's, I like it's the, weird. It I, is a little weird. I don't weird. know how to assign it. I like the scene when the Doctor is... He's just about to infiltrate the parliamentary building or whatever it is. The presidential... Disney's Hall of Presidents. <laughs> and he's stealing a robe off two chaps who are like getting changed yeah. for this ceremony. I love that bit where they're talking... like These two old geezers who have only a passing interest in the goings-on beyond what is ostensibly just a tradition. I mean, they're even saying, like, oh, saying like, oh, it's all kind of cumbersome and uncomfortable, but given the importance, the gravitas of this situation, it's not surprising that you'd wear these ridiculous outfits. Yeah. And those two chaps, they go, oh, but they, surely they must know that those aren't your colours. Like, you wear yellow, you don't wear gold. Because, you know, the doctor switches the yeah. robes around. Sorry. No, <laughs> no. Did I miss what the point you... you no, 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 my point is literally just like, I really like this. I, d- I did like that, yeah. <laughs> and the uh, this being the different colours of the houses. I think those two chaps come from whichever house has the yellow coloured robes. And he has just given them a golden robe, which I don't know which... It came from that like museum I'd, where he managed... Well, it seemed to be... He seemed to nick someone's, someone's robes who was very important. Because the guy whose name I've forgotten who is... Amazing throughout all of this. Castellan. Castellan. Oh, Castellan. Castellan is, it seems, a title, not a name. Oh, uh, okay. So Spandrel is his name. I think his so, yeah. Name. I okay. think so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's interchange. Yeah. So he's he's following after the doctor. Yeah. And he comments on the missing robes as like, well, the doc- someone someone else says like the doctor's not going to get very far because he doesn't have identification. And oh, Spandrel yeah. says something like, well, if blah, blah, blah came up to you, you'd just let him through, wouldn't you? Yeah, great security, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who wears gold doesn't need an ID badge. <laughs> so I, I don't know who that, who those robes were. They, someone very important. Obviously, there is a name dropped, but I don't think it's ever mentioned again. Isn't the TARDIS transported to a museum? Is that what they say, a museum? I think so. Okay. So these would be... Like, the fact that those robes are there, it's not surprising that they are... They belong to someone super important. They're like the emperor's robes <laughs> that's a bad example <laughs> <laughs> everyone have that image of tom baker wearing the emperor's robes now? yeah oh yeah <laughs> but yeah anyway so i think so i think he's just he's nicked a museum piece and then when he's infiltrated the building he realizes oh shit actually it's a miracle i got this far i'm not going to get very far if i dress like the president or the emperor or whatever I now need to dress like a regular parliamentary member. I yeah, I just took it as the you change your your vehicle three miles down the road okay. trick. <laughs> you know, it's like they're follow, they're looking for a gold guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I'm wearing <laughs> yellow. <laughs> <laughs> it's changing cars underneath the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Did you also get images of that Monty Python scene where the judges are changing their robes? They're getting out of their robes and they're all wearing drag underneath. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> I'm slightly upset I didn't. No. That's okay. I might sneak a screenshot of that into the, <laughs> onto the website. Yeah, dialing back a little bit, though. I, okay. I, I think I wasn't quite sure like, how to settle into this, this serial. Once it was established that a lot of the Gallifreyans are doddering old <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I super loved it. <laughs> like it seemed like a a kind of send up. The whole thing just seemed like a bit of a send up. Yeah. Like I don't know if there was something happening politically at the that time where people were feeling like maybe the political ruling class in Great Britain was 
just a bunch, bunch of, of senile geezers, old men yeah, yeah that didn't give a shit about what's going on it was all about pomp and circumstance that's a very good theory though um but definitely they was they seem to be saying something at least about the time lord ruling class oh certainly <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're all a bit deaf <laughs> they don't really know what's going on Engin may have been my favourite. Engin's pretty awesome. Engin and and the Castellan Spandrel. Yeah. Spandrel has a fantastic accent, by the way. He's, he, he's Czech. He's Czech, yeah, uh, which and, I didn't realise. Oh, did I look him up? I did look him up. He is George Pravda. He's been in two previous serials that we've reviewed. The Mutants, he was Jaeger, and then he was in Enemy of the World as well as uh, Denish. But he's also been, he was in Thunderball. Ooh. As Kutzer. He was in Firefox, not the browser. <laughs> <laughs> He's in my browser. What? <laughs> he, uh, Firefox is the... Have you seen it? It's a, a, a thriller with Clint Eastwood. And the Firefox is a plane that you fly telepathically. What? Or not telepathically, like with your mind. So you wear a helmet that reads your brain waves, your thoughts. And with your thoughts, you command the plane. And Clint Eastwood is... Like the most badass and most intelligent pilot there is, so he needs to cross the curtain into the Soviet Union, steal the Firefox, and fly it back or something like that. It's pretty great. Wow. Yeah. But not just stopping there, he was also in I Claudius as Gershom, and he was in Inspector Clouseau, not the one you're thinking of, the 1968 remake I had never heard of, starring Alan Arkin as Clouseau. What? Exactly. They remade it in the 60s. In the 60s, in 1968, at least what? once, with Alan Arkin. Anyway, anyway. Castellan Spandrel, wonderful. Loved him. Although, strangely, my first note about him is he can't act. <laughs> <laughs> but That's it's fair criticism. I think it's just one scene. No one can act in that scene. Oh, which scene is that? So, the scene where the TARDIS first materialises and the guards all come to get it and... yeah. Castellan is with them. Like Castellan and the guard talking are just the most stilted, <laughs> badly timed, delivered lines I think I've possibly seen on Doctor Who. And then, uh, then it's just all <laughs> okay. I mean, it's just all fine afterwards. I don't know exactly what happened during the direction of that scene, but they were just like, "Yeah, that's fine. Go on, everyone, go have lunch." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've quickly changed my mind. I absolutely loved him. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear it. I thought he was brilliant as well. Actually, I hadn't thought about it before, but his accent is also a wonderful piece to indicate the scope of the Gallifreyan culture, that there are different, oh, yeah, possibly different regions or different countries on Gallifrey that all have their own accents. Yeah, I don't really branch out with that any other characters, but yeah, that is a true point. Wait, why would he have an accent, even if they have different languages? Surely... If the TARDIS has a translation matrix, surely freaking Gallifrey has one as well. Ah, uh, but as they say later on in New Who, every planet has a north. That's why some oh, people sound northern. Oh, that's true. Some. That's true. So every planet Welsh, has a Czech Republic. <laughs> yeah. Or Czechoslovakia in this case. Yeah. Right. Shall we go through the other Gallifreyans? So we have Spandrel. We mentioned Engin very briefly there. Do you want to expand on Engin? He's wonderful. I would be very happy if I was related to him. 
you know, you'd pop round for a cup of tea on a Sunday afternoon and Engin would tell you some stories. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you'd sit down on the sofa next to Engin and he would flip through a photo album and tell you stories about all the pictures. Yeah. Oh, this is the one where we sabotaged the tank. This is the one where we had a cup of tea. I can't think of anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's the Mr. Magoo of this episode. I really like him. Yeah. What about Goth? I strangely did like him. Like, even at the start, where it's obvious he's going to play some bigger role in things. Yeah. And then when the doctor gets arrested, he's the one that's going, oh, yeah, we should um, try him and then kill him. Yeah. <laughs> nice fair trial there. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure it happens in 48 hours, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a constitutional crisis. I think that legitimizes the just heartless murder of someone. <laughs> And I like how he goes on later to to kind of back it up. It's like, well, I'm probably going to be made president. We've got this thing where we generally have to let political prisoners go, like when you're sworn in, because it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, and I'd have to let this guy go, and it would look really bad if I let yeah. the assassin of my predecessor go. So why don't we just kill him now? Yeah, I mean, or, or if I if I decide not to let him go, then I'm you know, I'm then I'm considered, considered weak. Yeah, it's like, I mean, when you think about it, yeah, we really don't have a it's choice. It's better here. for everyone, really, <laughs> if we just commit some murder. Yeah, okay. I'd rather murder someone before I'm sworn in, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Is it, it, the second he was named as Goth, all of a sudden he became familiar to me. This is Bernard Horsfall, and we have, that's his name, best name ever. <laughs> uh, and we have encountered him once before on Who Back When. He was in The Mind Robber as Gulliver. Mind Robber is a serial in which the Doctor and the TARDIS team, they're brought into this sort of fairy tale land where the Mind Robber, who's a, it's just like a writer hooked up to a supercomputer, it manages to use his creativity to manifest all these individuals and creatures and whatnot from, from fairy tales and stories and, and novels and so, on, and so on and so forth. And among them is Gulliver of Gulliver's Travels fame. And Bernard Horsfall plays him. Yeah. And there was a theory that we discussed in our Mind Robber review, a fan theory that says that Chancellor Goth and Gulliver are one and the same. What? Yeah, that, that the Gulliver that we encountered in Mind Robber is in fact Chancellor Goth, the Time Lord, having been like trapped in this fairytale land. How <laughs> oh, bizarre. Yeah, super bizarre. But that is an actual fan theory. Um, you've encountered him another time. Oh, really? Apparently. Oh, remind me. As a Time Lord. He apparently is in the War Games. Not as Goth, though, right? I don't know if they maybe decide that it is the same character. Or is he, he's the, not is he the Warlord? No, he's not the Warlord. No, he's not the Warlord. I think he's probably in the background and not an important oh. role. But I feel like I feel like I read something, actually, that said they decided, yes, it was the same character. Okay. War Games is a fantastic serial. It is stupendous. It's incredible. Podcast land, do yourselves a favor and watch it if you haven't already. It's very, very. Is good. this, if I remember correctly, you referred to this when we had the the guy that was torturing people? That's not a Siloran. He's he's a potato head. Oh, a Santaran. Santaran. Yes, yes, exactly. That, where, it's the good version of what he was trying to do. <laughs> it's the good version of the Santaran experiment. Yes, that's it. Where Santaran's <laughs> like, oh, in order to learn more about people waging war, we shall subject them to <laughs> to hallucinations whereby they think that there's a snake in front of them. Yeah, and they Ars- might like, get a bullshit. bit of strange vertigo from the cliff <laughs> yes, above them. Well, dehydrate them in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, War Games is better. Anyway, Bernard Horsfold. He looked a little bit like Hugo Weaving to me. He looked like Hugo Weaving. He looked like Elrond and Sir Jorah Mormont had had a love child. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> okay. That pretty much just leaves one more Time Lord. As a Time Lord name, you mean Borusa? Oh, two more Time Lords. Okay. Borusa. Borusa, Borusa, Borusa. We've sort of talked about Borusa. He's yeah. the teacher, mentor figure. Ultimately, a good guy. I Although, do... a bit of an ass. He's a total ass, actually, yeah. now that I think about it. The... Something else just dawned on me. No one goes, wait, hang on, Doc, you ran for office. That campaign is still running. We now no longer have a likely presidential candidate. Yeah. I guess he did the, the nice thing and told them, maybe, maybe it, it was announced that Barroso was really named. Presumably. I the Doctor has just saved all of Gallifrey, by the way. Why is he being sent off by everyone, including by Barroso? They're a bunch of dicks. Like, no one seems to know why he was exiled, really. No one seems to care why he was he exiled. He stole a TARDIS, really. which they didn't even seem to know about him. No, exactly. They, they had to delve into the logs and find out that... It's one thing that clearly no one's been missing. Yeah, and... It also yes. seems strange, because he has saved Gallifrey before. I mean, they have called upon the Doctor on numerous occasions to get them out of a jam, including the whole Omega situation in The Three Doctors. The Doctor has freaking saved Gallifrey on numerous occasions. He is a hero. They exiled him to Earth and just went like, here, solve problems in the meantime and like deliver bad news on our behalf. But now they don't even know, but like they had to look him up in this one. Do you think the reference to the TARDIS being really old is meant to mean that this is actually quite far in the future from Gallifrey's point of view? Oh, that's ingenious. So he's kind of fallen into myth and legend. That's... I love that. I love that I as think a theory. It's, it's the only thing that kind of makes sense. I think you're right. But I don't I don't think it I don't think that's properly developed in the series. I think they could have done better with that actually. Cuz it, it would have been interesting to have that addressed with the technology perhaps as well cuz the doctor looks down on all of the technology saying that there are other civilizations that you know this would look like children's playthings. That's true, but you may just have encountered other civilizations that were more advanced, that just didn't have the time travel technology. But would he not still be a bit, like, if it was in the future from Gallifrey's point of view, would he still not be a bit like, oh, oh wow. shiny. Oh, yeah, nice. you, you've, you've developed these things. I've not <laughs> yeah, seen true. these before. That is true. Whereas he's, he's a bit more down on it and just like, well, what is this thing? What is <laughs> Storing <laughs> memories of dead Time Lords? What? <laughs> That's just bollocks. I could do that in my sleep. Because, <laughs> yeah... That, that scene, I kind of liked it, that the, the Master and the Doctor were being singled out as exceptional Time Lords, in a way. Yeah. I think it's making that, that, that kind of story around like why, why the Doctor doesn't go back to Gallifrey very often, why he left in the first place. I think it makes it much more interesting to see that other side of it, to see how bad they are and how actually inferior they potentially are and then he has a real adversary in the master the master stands above the rest of the time lords like he does which i guess is always hinted at is always kind of like you get that feeling that he is special and that the master is special but you really see it through the serial yeah that's true continuing on that note it's the doctor who raises the master to almost his own level he's the one who puts the master on a pedestal yeah no one knows about the doctor just like no one knows about the master they have to ask the doctor so what's he like is he clever is he is he good with computers <laughs> like could he hack into the matrix etc the doctor goes i love this line the master is absolutely brilliant almost up to my standards yeah i like that as well i i like that he's made his own moriarty yeah he refers to him as my sworn arch enemy. Uh, so shall we talk about the Matrix? 
the digital quarry. <laughs> is, is this the episode and a half you feel like could have been trimmed to? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. The Matrix sequence, which it, it is an episode and a half, it just ends up being a massive montage of, here's a thing that can kill the Doctor, here's a thing that can kill the Doctor. I super loved it. <laughs> <laughs> which I find quite weird to say, because it is... Unlike anything, really. It's unlike the Doctor. I think that's maybe why I like it. I, yeah. I think it really got that sensation of someone's mind is controlling things. Like It's not totally out there and random... It is strangely Earth-focused, as apparently some critics pulled it up on. Oh, really? Earth-focused? Well, we see things from, like, World War... That's true, yeah. Earlier, like, World War... And a biplane. One, I think. Maybe we've got yeah, biplane from World War Two. perhaps. And the, I don't know. like, miniature Disneyland train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's not Gallifreyan. Like, we recognize these things. That's true. I, I wrote down Crocodile, Samurai, Crazy Surgeon, World War One Cavalryist, Tiny Disneyland Train... Mountain eyes, a clown, and a biplane. Sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, and a crazy hunter in a balaclava. Yeah, I think I like the I like the weird changing of obstacles, and I was glad that that was kind of short. And I I really liked it actually when he was just being hunted, when the doctor was just being hunted by what seemed like a real hunter. Yeah. In and it seemed like a real rainforest. Like they they found an amazing location. I thought like they went out of the quarry for that bit. Yeah. They got some marshland, they got some trees, it felt more exotic. They did quite well with the soundtrack, I think, to kind of really set... I agree, it amps up the tension. the ambience. And... And the Doctor goes full on, like, Rambo or Arnie and Predator. Yeah. Like, he's hiding up in a tree, constructing... Making a blowpipe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... it's You're right, it's, it's not like the Doctor. Like, none of this feels like a normal Doctor Who episode. None of it feels like the Doctor, like, coming over a normal adversary. Yeah. But I, I thought it was done really well. Like, it is a weird tangent from what's going on with the main story. But I, I kind of liked it. But the whole thing only takes... I mean, we experience it over an episode and a half. But there's an inception effect here, whereby later on, let me see, hang on, I made a note of it as well. Da, 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 da. Yeah, later on in part three, so we've he's already been there like half of part two and most of part three, or at least a, a, a large chunk of part three, at which point Castellan and Elgin tell each other he's been in there almost four minutes. Oh, wow. So there's a time dilation. That. Like for him, it seems like it's a whole day. He's yeah. just running around there like crazy there are trains like it, that it clearly it's more than four minutes but outside in the world this is because he's inside a computer like everything yeah. it's it's tron he's gone into the tron computer and then he comes out and just a moment has passed yeah it's interesting actually to think what it would have been like to wait a week in between this so you you know he's gone into the matrix and then you get an entire episode of him in the matrix that's true and then you, you have to wait have to another wait a, week oh my God. to get back to the main kind of... I think if I had to wait a whole week and I came back and there's just another thing, and on top of everything, it's a clown, I would throw my television out the window. I think they probably paced it okay. Like you, So the end of episode two, he's basically got the train coming at him. That's near enough towards the end of the sequence of things just kind of coming at him left, right, and center. Okay. I think we get, we've got a little bit more of that at the start of episode three, but then the hunter figure comes along and it turns into the... That's true. The hunt and chase. You know what? That's true, because it, it, you're right. It's not just a montage. I also li- I like the hunter situation. I think what I don't like is the one thing after another, just battery of methods of death. 
I think, yeah. I hate the fucking clown. The clown was stupid. I hate clowns. Yeah. I hate them. And it's not scary. The surgeon is crazy scary. <laughs> Why is there a surgeon? Like, what? And he's wasting the sedative or whatever it is. He's like spritzing yeah, it into nothing. fucking huge. He's got another there. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's going to send the blooming giraffe and an elephant to sleep. Uh, that, <laughs> that is true. It's around about this time that we get two two elements to the matrix one is the there is no spoon element whereby when the doctor's leg gets i guess grazed by a bullet he just goes i reject this happening i don't believe it it's all in my mind and he heals he does so that's the there is no spoon but then the master somehow seems to be even cleverer and he goes no but i believe that you've been shot he goes whack there's the spoon He's there playing the spoon. <laughs> so there's that one. And then there's also the midichlorines in this one. Because while he's inside the Matrix... Sorry, I'm, I'm furrowing my brow right now. Okay. <laughs> while he's in the Matrix, Elgin and... Elgin or Engin? Elgin? Elgin. Elgin and Castellan. No, Engin, sorry. Engin, sorry. <laughs> Engin and Castellan... They go, oh, his brain has an unusually high level of Artron energy. Yes, all about the Artron energy. So it's not that he's clever, he just has Artrons inside his brain. Yeah, that was all a bit wibbly-wobbly. I don't like that. But I don't know if that's them trying to kind of explain things from the outside. Because the Doc is very dismissive of what that system is. That's true. Even if that is the case, like the Master and the Doctor both have higher levels of whatever they need to control that world and survive in that world. Like, I think that's and that's the, the amazing thing. It may not be an intelligent thing, okay, but it's something. It's something they have, which other Time Lords probably don't or have in a Maybe it's just like a... I mean, we use IQ to measure the capacity for logical thinking, logical reasoning. So maybe Artron energy is their scale that they apply to, well, to evaluating people's capacity for survival inside a matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. It might be more, not necessarily intelligent, more uh, abstract thought and problem solving maybe thing combined or something you know how would you compare this to the brain of morbius do you remember when they have the weird like brain fight at the end of brain of morbius they both yes, they we hook just, themselves up yeah we see the faces we just of see faces we don't we don't see any kind of projection of environments and thoughts that's true but isn't that also isn't it a similar concept whereby they just the greater mind will win yeah they, they do like doing that with the doctor i think yeah playing around with mind things and find an abstract way of quantifying yeah you're right yeah there's that as well because the doctor says it about the master doesn't he He says like he's a he's almost developed he's incredible he's got a hypnotist he's certain hypnotic he definitely calls out his ability to hypnotize people yeah and it's i mean it's it's the scene following the master just like straight up hypnotizing See, he caught it. <laughs> oh, what a guy. <laughs> How do you feel about the Master's plot here? I I think I really liked this, actually, because I think of late I've been quite down on the way plots are hitting at different levels. It's like some guys set three people to take over the planet or yeah. the motivation for taking over the planet is just nonsense. And it's like, well, why don't you just set yourself up on that bit of <laughs> land there and just farm away for life? Like, why are you trying to take over the planet? Whereas this is the master who has a real grievance and grudge against the Doctor. I'm not quite sure the history with him and the Time Lords, but it's explored in New Who that they don't treat him very well. That's true. Like he Does he hold a grudge or something because he stared into the, into yeah, the vortex, into the, what, what's it called? 
I can't, but you know, the thing with the drums and <laughs> <laughs> he's basically I forgot about the drums. Seen through time. Yeah, he's he has beef to grind with both the Doctor and the Time Lords as a whole entity, and this is him grinding beef it to grind. Uh, <laughs> that may or may not be a saying. Oh, here we go. So there's um. All right, sorry, I've just gone to TARDIS Data Core, formerly Wikia, uh, into the Time Vortex through the Untempered Schism. Untempered Schism. That's uh, the one. Yeah. It's the thing I used to get my uh, shoes on in the morning. <laughs> A strange ceremony. Stare into the time vortex. You're a man. It's the Gallifrey and Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm pre- except some people go mad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure most Bar Mitzvahs <laughs> don't involve people going mad. Or well, at least don't have the chance. Of it. And we never get to see the master on a chair being like lifted around the room. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so yes, I I liked his plot and motivation. Did but you? Can we take a moment to just go through his plot? So, I mean, there are several aspects to it, right? One is, he is currently a skeleton. <laughs> he wants extra energy to regenerate. Yes, he's... So this, yeah, this is them introducing the idea that you can run out of regeneration. Yes, which is fantastic, by mm. the way. Uh, so they say, what is it, 12... You can regenerate 12 times, you have 30 yeah. lives, boom, that's it. This, this I think, is... The first time, right? The, the big beef that everyone had for oh, with, years and years and years. And yeah, with Tennant and the... <laughs> And the war doctor. And then it had to be... Did Tenet regenerate twice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Does the war doctor this is, count? This is it. This is them going... No, it doesn't count, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, this is it. This is the introduction of that. That's and a huge piece of Gallifreyan lore. Yeah. And somehow the master has already used those up. Yeah, which is strange. But fine. So he's done that. And now he wants to tap into... Is it... Did I misunderstand this is it the eye of harmony on gallifrey so the eye of harmony that in the last new who episode that we yeah. reviewed we saw inside the tardis amazingly well timed with our super well timed random staggering of <laughs> new who versus classic but yeah so i mean i'm taking it as the eye of harmony is what we understood it to be because yeah the doctor pretty much explains it the same way as like a black hole Sort of pause. A star on the verge of collapse. Like it is yeah. in a perpetual state of collapsing yeah. into a black hole. So it's, it's not the exact same phraseology that they use in New Who, but it's basically the same. Mm. And I, I'm i taking it just that... It's inside Gallifrey? Yeah. The, the, the issue that I don't think they covered very well was the fact that it's the Eye of Harmony. Oh, right. Like it seems that... Because the Doctor actually talks further on, the, on it to say... He's like surprised that the other Time Lords don't understand what it is. It's like, this is the thing that kind of powers, powers. our entire race. Like, yeah. this is why we live long. This is why the planet Wait, has been how, going for But how do they not know that? I don't know. <laughs> it, se- it does seem a bit, um, what is it, a time machine and... What's the thing with Carousel? Oh, God. Uh, Logan's Run. Oh, like, right. Yes, of course. Where you, you get so far into the future... And technology just rules your lives and yeah, you forget you have, about everything. You don't know your own history. Yeah. It, it seems like almost the Time Lords have gotten to this point or are close to it. Oh, so Time harmony. Lords just have forgotten they have no idea it's how shit works. Let's put a pin in the Eye of Harmony because I have a theory. I'm not 100% sure, but I have a theory about it. Then, uh, so the Master wants to tap into the Eye of Harmony, use the energy from it to give himself further regenerations. Yarp. But by unleashing the power of the Eye of Harmony, not only will he give himself new regenerations, he was going to sacrifice his entire homeworld. Yeah, he's... Well, I think he did that kind of intention as well. This is a two birds with one stone situation. Oh, okay. 
Actually, it's a three birds with one stone, because to me, it seems as though he doesn't need the doctor for any of this. No. Well, he's brought the doctor here to kill him. Yeah, but he doesn't need to. This is a Simon Peter Gruber situation whereby he's like, you know what? If you can kill the stupid fucking Irish flatfoot who killed your brothers, then it is a bonus. You know, Die Hard 3. That's like a direct, okay. but that's a okay. soundbite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let, you, let you have that. Yeah, okay. Thanks. <laughs> My point being, he doesn't need the doctor there. And sending this... I mean, he preemptively sends a telepathic message to the doctor, making him see... Like, he gives him a premonition of the assassination. Yeah. That's setting himself up for failure. If he hadn't done that, he would have succeeded. Because surely he can just hypnotize someone to take him down to the Eye of Harmony. He doesn't need to even assassinate the president. I took it that he wanted the doctor to be there. Like this, this is... It's him. personal. It's yeah, yeah. Words. Like he wants the Doctor more than he wants Gallifrey, but, and just okay, so getting, he, getting them all together is like he's gonna wait. Unleash. Rank rank all three. He wants to get the Doctor. Below the Doctor is Gallifrey. Well, where are his regenerations? Oh, I think that's probably number one. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. get all the regenerations. Fine, you get number three at the same time. Number two is the Doctor. He's in the middle, but you kind of get him indirectly because you tell him, "Hey, by the way, your homeworld, no more, buddy." <laughs> no. Well, I suppose. I feel like maybe he just saw. A situation is like, well, I'm going to unleash a black hole. (laughs) I want the doctor in it. Maybe if I just get the doctor there, I can just do three birds with one stone. Three birds, one stone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Worth a try, isn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) It's not like he's foiled me every time before. (laughs) It's not like I'm only a skeleton now. (laughs) Probably the weakest I've ever been. I like him as the skeleton. I don't want him to always be the skeleton, but I, I like the fact that he's a skeleton in between regenerations. It's proper surreal and creepy. Super creepy. Like, I, I wasn't really quite sure, because I, I didn't know it was the Master at the start, so I just okay. thought, holy fuck, this is actually skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a He-Man crossover, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, it, it's never explained. Like, he's, I think he's described as emaciated is like, he just emaciated though he doesn't have like, eyelids like, yeah this, the guy doesn't have a nose he is a straight up corpse like he he looks more bone like than skin like agree well. yeah I, I agree like i really thought that was he like doesn't a have lips. skull he doesn't have lips he is me- i think he's meant to be just a skeleton with maybe a little a, bit of a translucent bit, skin on top. yeah exactly like yeah. maybe like the remnants of skin yeah like it's it's really sick <laughs> yeah it is so this is um, another of those serials that Mary Whitehouse loved to hate. Oh, really? Apparently. And I'm not surprised. It's crazy violence. Yeah, they they don't they didn't mention these particular things. Like they're obviously the whole hunter thing with the doctor. Like they're getting shots. They're getting stabbed with poison and. Yeah, it's scary. His foot gets stuck in in a uh, in between train lines. Like it's yeah, yeah. He falls off a cliff. Yeah, but the the one thing that apparently really was kind of like seen as a bit too far is I think it's the episode three cliffhanger where the doctor is left with think drowning. He's freeze frame him underwater, supposedly dead and drowned. Yeah, by Goth, and Goth looks so evil. Yeah. He just looks so determined to drown him. But I, I feel like the master skeleton thing... Surely m- that's above that, though. Must, yeah. must have been a factor in this as well. Like, as yeah. a kid, that would have really creeped the fuck out of me. Oh, absolutely. That's just going to bone your subconscious completely. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. The um, 
so this is what's his name? Is Peter Peter? I'm gonna say Peter Pratt. That rings a bell. Uh, yes. It is Peter Pratt. Yes, played by Peter Pratt. And this is oh, I mean, I really miss Roger Delgado, the first master. He was fantastic, and unfortunately, he he had passed away at this point. Yeah. So he passed away shortly after his his very last appearance mm. as the master. And as such, I like that there is a nod to the changing appearance of the master here. They don't just recast him. What springs to mind, I mean, this is going to be the second Hogwarts reference. But what <laughs> springs to mind is the change of actors playing Dumbledore in between the movies. Do you remember? Because they cast a different actor in the second yeah. I think the first actor passed away there he as did, well. yeah. They they cast another one and they address it in film. I'm sure I didn't read the second book, but I'm sure they they didn't address it in the book. But in the film, they write a line that just says, "Yeah, I went through I went through some terrible shit and it changed me, and that's why I look a little different right now." I don't remember that in the slightest. Oh, that's totally in the start of the second film, dude. Okay. Yeah. Hey, where my where my Hogwarts at? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I'm always my Potterheads. <laughs> <laughs> Always looking for an excuse to rewatch. So, <laughs> yeah. In any case, I like that they address that here and they make it part of the plot. I mean, they. I'm assuming that they write a story. They wrote that part of the story to force a regeneration for him. Because otherwise, they could have just said, "Yeah, he regenerated. He died. He fell off a cliff and he regenerated, and, and yeah. now he's played by a different actor." But they make that a whole part of it so that you, the audience, don't go, "I remember you being Roger Delgado," and I missed that doctor because he was super charismatic yeah so devious this guy's theatrical in a different way he's manipulative he's using his well because because this is a weakened master that's true so he's using things in a different way because he has to i suppose yeah although when he starts with the eye of harmony and the doctor is physically wrestling him doesn't seem that weak (laughs) (laughs) like given that we have established he's pretty much just a skeleton that's true <laughs> Hang on, I'm looking up Peter Pratt's Doctor Who. I want to see if he's. Oh, so I was trying to avoid to see if he if he becomes the master properly later on. I I just looking at picture. Okay, do you want me to tell you? Shall I? Oh, go you? on. Everyone else knows. Just based on these pictures, I may very well be wrong about this, but based on these pictures, I'm gonna say he doesn't. Yeah, I think he's just picked for his voice. I think so too. And then the next time we're going to see the master played by Jeffrey Beavers, another great name, <laughs> and he is still... Can I show you this picture? Is this going to spoil it for you? No, go on. Ooh. So there's Peter Pratt. There's Jeffrey Beavers. Comparison shot. Go to the website. I'll, I'll pop a pic there as well. Mm. You know what I like about this as well is when they bring the master back in New Who... Yeah. There's a sequence where he's like low on energy and... Well, he's, he's unstable, and he's, he develops the ability to jump around ridiculously high and shoot lightning. Which, oh, yes. Which is a little bit insane. That's terrible. But he flips between kind of like a flash of the skeleton and his normal self. Oh, do you think it's a reference which to this? I think must be a nod back to this. It must be Aww. always a kind of thing with the master. It's like when he runs low on energy, he just... Reverts his bo- back to this. His body just kind of disintegrates, but he's, he stays alive. Yeah, I feel like this is... Maybe it's not used again in classic Who, but I think that new Who thing must have been a nod back to it. I think you're probably right. Yeah, which is nice. It is nice. There is an awesome picture of Peter Pratt, by the way, on his Wikipedia entry. Oh, really? With monocle and moustache. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I just saw that picture on yeah. Google Images. Like, that could be the master. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's more akin to the Delgado master. Yeah. But I thought he did very well. 
in this zero. I think I agree. I mean, he, he was menacing. He was given scary. that he wears everything he needed. Oh, sorry, I'm talking over you. No, no, sorry, go for it. Yeah, given he wears a mask. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> given that he wears a mask, he, and therefore has to rely on on voice alone throughout the whole thing. I'm very impressed. Yeah, there's actually a, a random thing on Wikipedia saying he was required to deliver clear lines through the mask. Oh, really? Wait, they didn't ADR this? That's crazy. I don't, I don't know if that's the implication there, but... Oh, well, well done. I like, by the way, that he's still doing his matter condensation trick, though I i don't know if they've ever referred to it as matter condensation in the part where he, like, miniaturizes <laughs> people. <laughs> how the... How does he do this? How, I don't know. <laughs> this seems to be ability he, he physically has as yeah, well. Yeah, it's like, it's just his ability. It's his X-Men power. <laughs> because <laughs> he's lying on the slab after faking his own death yeah like presumably he doesn't have any technology around and he no, manages just, to shrink the guard yeah it's like it, it's this weird thing that he can do without any gadgets <laughs> just like he can hypnotize people like hypno- hypnotizing oh, is obviously <laughs> nonsense and bollocks but I can how kind dare of, you I how can dare kind of you <laughs> power of suggestion like i can i can kind of buy that though like you it's it's a mental trick yeah so yes you can do that without anything to amplify it or whatever but what taking the moisture out of someone is is, <laughs> is that what it's meant to be uh, i've i've in the meantime opened up the terror of the autons review on whobackwhen.com where there is a picture of his first attempted oh. <laughs> matter condensation See, that's better, though, because in this one, they're dolls. It's oh, that's ob- true. obvious that they are dolls. And this is just a green-screened dude yeah. superimposed on top of a biscuit tin. But in addition to that, the chap in Terror of the Autons, as I recall, he survives this. He's stuck being oh, wow. Thumbelina. <laughs> <laughs> Goes home to the wife. Um, um, yeah. Might be some changes in our relationship. <laughs> Make of that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> so dialing back ever so slightly. Go for it. So the, the Aya Harmony plot. Yes. So as part of that, this is where we dial back even further. Okay. We mentioned the Rassilon things. Oh, yes. So I don't know how big a factor this is, but we seem to have a key to do a Rassilon, which opens up the Eye of Harmony. Yeah, I don't understand why that is the case. I, I had to look up Rassilon for this thing because i only remember him as timothy dalton yeah so if this is just a reference to a past thing that we don't know anything about really i think you're right i don't believe that he has been properly mentioned maybe rassilon as a name has been dropped into conversation but i don't think that we've encountered rassilon for example and in the three doctors i mentioned before we had omega who's this one of the first, if not the first, Time Lord, quote-unquote. Like, the, the Gallifreyan who discovered some sort of crazy wibbly-wobbly energy which then allows them to time travel, and who sets up this whole grandiose civilization. When I looked up Rassilon, I found that, actually, it wasn't just Omega, it was Omega and Rassilon. That those two left uh, Gallifrey, okay. did their thing, discovered this energy. Possibly that is the Eye of Harmony, by the way. Yeah. And then set up the whole thing, and then Rassilon... Either Rassilon felt that Omega had stolen his thunder or the other way around. And that might come from some Doctor Who novel or maybe a later serial that we haven't reviewed yet. But in 
what am I trying to say? Wait, hang on. What am I going to say? Yeah. So, so anyways, yeah, I, I looked this up and it seems as though maybe they are the very, very, like they are the founders of this civilization. You said before the, the technology has grown and lasted for so long that they don't remember their roots. They are the roots. Yeah. And they built this battery upon which everyone else... It's like you know, someone invents an iPhone and all of a sudden no one can remember their friend's phone numbers yeah. anymore. <laughs> you know, That's what's happened here. And the Rassilon character somehow gets re... Not regenerated, but like reconstituted in New Who. And that's why we get to see him again as Timothy Dalton. Because he's been dead for millennia, yeah. apparently. I, mean, I don't know about millennia at this point, but it certainly seems that... It's a part, very, a, very a long time ago. Yeah, thing. he died yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, because I think where the new Who Timothy Dalton thing, I always had the impression that this character had existed in classics before, like actually physically as a character. But maybe, may, he, maybe, 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 maybe will. Yeah, we'll have to see. But we, so we definitely get, so we get a cane acting as the key by the looks of it. Oh as well, yeah, yes. Which I think, so I can't picture what Timothy Dalton's character has. He has a weird glove that. Yeah, shoes lightning. That's true. Which we don't have any hint of here. The gauntlet of something. Yeah, gauntlet of wrestling. Probably. Say. <laughs> I feel like he does have a cane of some kind, which could be this same thing and the key. Ah, okay. But we also get the sash as well, so which the, is the thing that uh, it apparently protects you. protects you from the the eye of harmony. Effect. Well, not that the eye of harmony released. <laughs> I mean, there's there's sort of a very, very low-budget Indiana Jones or uh, what's the actually surprisingly entertaining Nicolas Cage franchise? I can't remember what it's called now. National Treasure? That's the one. <laughs> it Where, is surprisingly entertaining. <laughs> it's surprisingly entertaining. I would, I'll, I'll watch that tonight. <laughs> the, um, there's the sort of watered-down version of that whereby... <laughs> No one's told anyone, but actually the dude who's in the catacombs is wearing the, uh, you know, Time Lord's bulletproof vest. The, like, yeah. the, the thing that protects you, the lead vest that protects you from time energy or whatever. And then, I mean, Rassilon or Omega on their own did not drill a hole into the ground and build into it all these mechanisms that if you put a particular cane into it in a particular way, it will then open up the Eye of Harmony. Like, there were, there must have been infrastructure in place to build that. Yeah. Yet it's there, and no one knows about it, and this key, the sash, the grave, the Eye of Harmony, they're all within... Two rooms, like adjacent rooms. What is, is the sash not what the previous president was wearing? Oh, is it? So that's, that's the reason it's taken off a body is because that was the president's body. Wait, hang on. Is this the only reason he assassinates the president? To Poss get uh, the possibly. sash in the, in the tomb, in the catacombs? I guess makes it a bit easier. Just nick it off a body because no one cares about it. Is that easier though? The I president isn't walking around with that sash all the time. No, probably not. Just steal it off, off his coat rack when he's asleep. He's a skeleton. Like he, <laughs> That's my point. And things are a bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you saw a skeleton in the catacombs with all the dead bodies, you'd think, ah, oh, it's just a skeleton. It's just a skeleton. Yeah, like, he just has to stand still. Exactly. And then yeah. people will just walk past him. Can't do that in the quarters. Can no, you? but he can hypnotize someone to go into the, <laughs> he into the president's He can, quarters. and he does with the guard. And <laughs> yeah, that's true. He doesn't, do, he doesn't seem to hypnotize Goth. He's just persuaded Goth. Yeah, Goth yeah. is just... It, yeah, wait, hang on. What is Goth's motivation? To be president. That's it. The timing seems to have worked out very nicely. 
Goff, Goff has been told he's not going to be president, even though everyone, everyone what, thinks he's going to be and wants him to be. Everyone, yeah, wait, hang on. This is not a democracy anymore because clearly people have not voted for the, no. the successor. It's just like the president names his successor and that's it. Yeah. But everyone surrounding Goff thinks if there was a vote, he would be made president. But we're not going to vote because this ain't a democracy, y'all. No, no we're, we're just going <laughs> to say what the last corrupt politician... Yeah, who said. coincidentally yeah. always or most often picks someone from House Prydonia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah this, it's, the- it's funny how the most... <laughs> uh, <anyway. laughs> <laughs> Freaking civilization, dude. Uh, okay, wait, hang on. So I dropped a pin in the Eye of Harmony. I have a theory about that. Okay. So the Eye of Harmony... Sorry, pin in the Eye of Harmony. Ow. Ow, ow. Ow. <laughs> My theory is that at some point between now and the 1996 movie, he is going to remove the Eye of Harmony and plop it in his TARDIS. Oh, okay. Because it does appear in the 1996 movie. I'll take a little break in a second to drop a plug for a fellow podcast. But yeah, so so in 1996, it is inside the TARDIS, and in 20... Where are we at? 2013? Possibly, yes, I think. Or maybe even later, I'm not sure. Anyway, in yeah, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, in New Who, it is also inside the TARDIS. Okay. And we have already established it here. I reckon, given... Okay, you know what? Given the lax attention to canon in 1996, <laughs> maybe they just changed history. But given the attention to detail in New Who, I don't think they would just go, oh yeah, that thing that everyone knows is on Gallifrey, it's now in the TARDIS. I reckon it will be in the TARDIS for a reason. Okay. So maybe we'll get a serial where the Doctor goes, listen, this is super duper unstable, chaps. I will take care of this. I will place it inside the TARDIS and I will take care of it for you. In the meantime, here's a Duracell battery. (laughs) (laughs) Something to that effect. So I think maybe I misinterpreted it. Maybe I put too much weight on it in the New Who stuff then. Because I I definitely got the impression, like, this is what makes a TARDIS a TARDIS. Oh, so like every TARDIS has an Eye of Harmony. Yeah, that's that's why I said earlier, like, I feel like that's... Oh, that's the Eye of Harmony, a Eye yeah, of Harmony. Yeah, it's like, oh. so there's an Eye of Harmony at the centre of Gallifrey to yeah. help keep the planet, I don't know what it's doing to the planet really, but it's, it's helping everyone kind of stay a bit better and not age as quickly and sure. have long life and possibly even power regenerations. I don't know. Mm. But also every TARDIS has one because that's how you travel through time and space. That, that was the impression I had, but maybe I'm just reading too much into it appearing in the two places. And maybe if there is a serial that moves it from Gallifrey to the TARDIS, then that would explain it all. Well, it's just a theory. Now I'm wondering what happens at the 50th anniversary. I don't I don't fully remember. We're so close to it, by the way. So I'm, I'm, I'm super curious. But if the Eye of Harmony's energy can just grant you additional regenerations, as seems to be the Master's plot. Yeah. Why would any Gallifreyan, including the Doctor, at the 50th anniversary go, oh, I'm staying on this wooden planet as long as I can, because after this I can't regenerate. Why doesn't he just use that energy? Well, it does seem to be what well, I have to let a black hole out of its prison. Out of the box. Oh, and I just, see. And stand near it to absorb the energy. <laughs> but still, Pandora's box is open and there's a black hole in the world. Gotcha. Well, not the world, the universe. Okay. And he doesn't have a sash. I feel like the sash thing is probably not the issue. I guess well, the but thing there, that I there are black holes in the universe, in yeah. The universe. But he doesn't want to sacrifice a whole bunch of innocents. The thing that I don't remember is, I don't remember what happens to the TARDIS just leading up to the 50th anniversary. So I don't know if maybe the TARDIS at this point has already died, or yeah, that's possible, maybe it also needs regenerative energy in order to continue on its journey with the Doctor. I don't know. 
So, and I don't remember. Podcast land, don't remind me. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so that's my theory. Uh, tangent to drop a plug for a fellow podcast. I did something I almost never do. I listened to a fellow Doctor Who podcast the other day. What? That's right. I listened to the New to Who podcast because Twitter was ablaze with positive reviews of their review of the 1996 movie, which I've only seen once. I think I possibly have only seen once as well. And I look forward to seeing it when we catch up (laughs) and we get to that point in like three years time. But the... um, (laughs) Three years. No, no, no. We're going to do do this in less. No, no, we're going to do this in less. (laughs) We're going to do this in less. We'll do the maths afterwards. Yeah, anyway, so that review is fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And here's another thing. Whilst listening, I, I'm really sorry. This is a, a brief tangent. Podcast Land, if you're not already subscribed to or listening to New To Who, then give it a go. Here's the thing. While I was listening to it, I was hubristically, I admit, hubristically thinking, this is like their 20th episode, 22nd episode. We've done this for nearly 300. You know what? After I've listened to this thing, I'm going to give these chaps a shout out. (laughs) (laughs) I get to the end of the episode. They gave us a shout out. What? Yeah. I was standing up at the time, but if I had been sitting down, I would have fallen off my chair. (laughs) (laughs) I was super duper shocked by this. Wait, hang on. So if you were sitting, the the very stable act of sitting would have you'd fall off your chair. Yes, but if you were stood because I was standing, there was no chair the, to fall there off. Was, there was nothing to. So I was simply aghast. Be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very nice of them to give us a shout. Yeah, out. thank you very much. Holy moly, do they know a lot about Doctor? Anyway, plug over, tangent over, back to this episode. But it has possibly inspired me to watch the movie again and yeah. listen to that episode. Yeah, do it. Okay, got a... Oh, sorry. I'm looking at some of my notes here. From part four, I have actually written... This is returning to our Rassilon uh, subjects. I've written down, Rassilon was an engineer and an architect and the founder of modern Gallifreyan society. And I've also written, Rassilon found and brought the Eye of Harmony to Gallifrey. Yeah. It would seem that was established in this episode. I think I have to accept that there is one Eye of Harmony. I guess and so. I either knew who cocks up or the film cocks up. Or there is an explanation at some point how it ends up in the TARDIS. Or it's just being retconned. Yeah. Like, what does he find? Does he find a star that's about to collapse? That's the thing. How does he bring that back? It, I, I, if anything, he would have developed the technology to harness that energy. Bring back the technology. <laughs> that's it. You don't have to do anything else. Now you can apply that technology to anything else. Well, I feel, I, I, I'm buying that there's something that can like freeze a star at the point of it turning into a black hole. Sure. With, like you say, the technology... Yeah. But yeah, you bring it back with with, with one in it and then you go, well, I now go, go get more. Like I, I, exactly, I, I've exactly. made a plow. Yeah. <laughs> go go plow this field now. Go harvest more stars. Yes, exactly. Okay, I got a question for you. Okay. It's a two-part question, in fact. Part one, why does Castellan have a gun? And two, why does he just shoot the guard so suddenly? Because the guard's obviously being a dick. <laughs> I would have shot that guard. What? <laughs> The guard is stood there in the background going, oh, yeah, the doctor's got to come to this thing. And uh, quite rightly, well, he's plugged into the Matrix at the moment. So we'll get back to you in a, in a bit. Yeah, we can't unplug him right now because he'll die. Yeah, don't and, touch that knob. And then, and then uh-huh. yeah, the guard kind of like very uncasually goes, oh, I'm just oh, going to so- tweet that dial. <laughs> uh, no, no, please don't tweet that dial. Oh, oh I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what happened. Yeah, you don't have to lo- laser blast the chap in the face. Yes, you do. When, no. When he then 
saunters back to the dial that is about to kill the doctor. You go, <laughs> fuck you, dude. Bam. <laughs> and it's a stun gun anyway, as we've established. Oh, is it? In Maybe we hadn't at that point, though. I know that mm. the master uses a stun gun for no reason, by the way. Wait. It seems to be why the does the master use a stun gun? Because he is stupid villain. So he wants Mainly. the doctor to be alive, to be there to at the moment of... the planet destroyed. Ugh. Yeah. That seems so dumb. Surely at that point, he should take greater pleasure in shooting the doctor. Just go, like, listen, you will know that I am just about to kill you, and after you've d- died, I'm going to regenerate and take all of Gallifrey with me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take down all of Gallifrey. And you can do nothing to stop it. Shoot him. Problem solved. He will have had that moment to gloat. In fact, like, at that point, he can take out his little skeleton dick and do a little propeller. (laughs) (laughs) And then he... Funny enough, that didn't make it in the cut. (laughs) Then he blasts Doc in the face with the gun. With the the gun. gun. Okay. With the gun. Then he goes and Indiana Jones is himself. Right? That makes way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's class and villain. Classic villain trope of, I don't want to kill you right this second because there's a much more elaborate way for you to die. Yeah, but he doesn't say that. He, I, he d- I would have bought that if he had said, I want you to be alive for this. And then he like barricades the door or something. They are shut in that room. And oh, really? I don't think he says exactly, I want you to see Gallifrey die. But I, mm. I think it's so close. I think, I think it's pretty much there. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, fine. All right, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to rattle through some trivia. You do like. that, yeah. Okay, first time, possibly the last time, that not a single human appears in the story. Everyone is a Gallifreyan. Yeah. Pretty cool. Also, not counting Heaven Sense, which features the sort of specter, like the illusion of Clara, but not really Clara. So not counting that for that reason, this is the only serial, I believe, to date with n- neither a permanent nor a temporary companion. Yeah, I read that Heaven Sent was kind of the spiritual ancestor to this oh. because of that fact. Oh, interesting. Like, I don't know if they did it intentionally, but yeah, this is incredibly rare in Doctor Who. Yeah. There to be no sidekick at I mean, all. I read a couple of notes also on some trivia page, goodness knows where, where they were referring to Castellan and Engin as the temporary companions, but I'm not entirely sure I buy that. No, I don't think they're treated in the same way. I right. think I think you have to meet the temporary companion before things kind of unfurl. Like they have to, I don't know. You get a little bit of exposition. This is the person so that you relate to them as one of you. This is why it's always a human, right? Yeah, I, I guess. say always a human. I think we're going to get non-human companions going forward. Oh, we're into that little I think spot. so. Yeah. And I don't count K9 in this case. But yeah, you're right. There's no real exposition. What it feels like is more... It's almost as though he's meeting the first Doctor again when he meets Engin and Castellan. It's like, oh, he's like a doddery old Gallifreyan chap. Yeah. He's very clever. He's a bit of a Mr. Magoo. I, I, I could almost buy Castellan, I think. Because we do we see a bit more of his involvement in Gallifreyan society, him seeing the injustice in the, the way the trial of the Doctor is being rushed. Oh, yeah? And him kind of almost befriending the Doctor. Shortly before he blasts a dude in the face. <laughs> Is that what you mean? Because the dude was <laughs> going to kill the Doctor in cold blood. Yeah. You, hey, the Doctor had the good taste to get grazed on the arm by a bullet. Why, why not have... Like any decent, respectable action hero. <laughs> like, oh, damn it, I got in shot. And then just like... Didn't even notice, man. (laughs) Damn it. But then Castellan blasts the dude. Anyway, yeah, that's a tangent. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. 
Shit, I'm so sorry for talking over you all the time. It's fine. It's not fine. Apologetic fool. <laughs> More trivia. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did uh, it again. Just, just finishing my point there, Go Chapo. <laughs> yeah, Chapo. <laughs> Chapo. Oh. Span- Spandrel, Castellan, Spandrel. Uh-huh. He has a nice kind of progress with the Doctor, I think. And... Mm. I think he becomes the Doctor's confidant yeah. to a point because, well, the Doctor has no one else to turn to, but he's the only one that's really going to get him out of the situation. Do we get to see Spandrel at the end? Yeah, I think so. Is he with... I think he's the one that... Barusa, maybe. I think he sees the Doctor off. I think Barusa's left at that point and we see oh, Spandrel yes, actually, you're right. actually saying goodbye to the Doctor. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then we get the Master exit as well. We do, in his grandfather clock. I love that it's a grandfather clock. I don't understand why we need to see his face superimposed on it. No, I hated that bit. (laughs) I super love that it's a grandfather clock. Yeah. I'm just very curious to see him enter it. (laughs) (laughs) Does he miniaturize himself to go in? There's a... Oh, this is a serial that we refer to so many times on Who Back When, but in the serial The Chase, we get to see the the TARDIS of uh, a different time lord of the monk and it we get to see it change like it just switches between lots of different kinds of different images like the what's it called the chameleon circuitry is just running through it's cycling through different images and it includes a pillar i want to say a horse and carriage (laughs) which is pretty amazing a tank oh I think an actual police box and just a stone because this is in ancient Egypt. So it's like one of the massive stones used to build a pyramid. <laughs> I can't remember what else. Uh, go to the page on whobackwhen.com. You'll see all of them. But yeah, anyway, yeah. So yeah, I agree. Lovely with a grandfather clock. Like It's not quite the best disguise for that situation, but is the implication that the comedian circuits are busted on his TARDIS as well? I don't think so. I think they work exactly the way that they're meant to work. We've previously had the Master's TARDIS in... Oh, that is in the Auton Invasion, I think, as well. Wait, or, is, is it the Auton Invasion? Is that what it's called? Auton, or oh, whatever the thing is that I referred to before. Auton something. Yeah. Invasion of the Autons, Auton Invasion. Uh, where it's made to look like a caravan. Because someone had a caravan they could put on set. Yes, <laughs> okay, oh, like a hundred percent. And it's just it's just in the outskirts of a circus, so it blends in. Right. But it's a hundred percent just some dude's caravan. So okay, so it is meant to blending. That grandfather clock is not blending in. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Why is it not a Gallifreyan thing? Yeah. It's in a Gallifreyan museum. Why is there an earthbound grandfather clock in a corner? Like it looks super weird. Like you're looking at that thing as they all are saying goodbye to the doctor again. Okay. That's something. Yeah, what is that? (laughs) I admit, I I was quite stupid watching the whole of this thing. I did not dream that it was going to be the Master's TARDIS, (laughs) but I was so glad it was. (laughs) Super glad. Agreed. Okay, I've got more trivia. Okay. The biplane is the exact same biplane that was also used in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. What? And it is also the same biplane that was used in The Mummy, starring, often referred to on this podcast, Brendan Fraser. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's... I'm also curious if it's a biplane that actually saw action in the war. It was in the shit, man. Like, this is some tales to tell. Uh, It's not. It's not. I've just seen it. It's from 1949, so no. Okay. Yeah, but in context of this episode... Yeah. Holy amazeballs, <laughs> like this really looks like footage they filmed for this serial. Yeah. And 
it's doing spinny things and like flying no. flying low ish. They have a budget for this. Yeah. They have a budget for some sets, not all sets, but some sets. I mean, the presidential, the, the place where he gets assassinated, the thing that it looks exactly like Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, when the president of the Federation is about to get assassinated. The, it, okay, I'll dude, take your word for it. That set looks spectacular. The cell where the doctor is being tortured looks... I don't know if it's the cell or if it's just a mass painting, but that looks great. Okay. It, yeah. You know, it's just like a cell. It's, it's not quite suspended. It, I think it's actually on a pillar, and there's a almost like a drawbridge leading to it. Yeah. It, that's a great p- piece of design work. I thought they did a good job with the sets. There, there are quite a few of them, actually. Like, most of them end up just being rooms, I think. Yeah. Like the, the ones that The museum. Of, and... Yeah, just they had to film somewhere, so they probably just had a, a, a room set up where this corner is, yeah, the museum thing. This corner is the where the bodies are laid out in the wherever you put bodies, crypt type thing. <laughs> yeah. But then we do have location shoots on top of this. Yes, one of them is a quarry. One of them is, yeah, oh, the Matrix is in a quarry. <laughs> but then it turns into a rainforest. True. Like, I, I don't know where they filmed that, but I was super impressed. Like, they, they managed to find location shoots to do that. I'm they, not sure they it's a, a rainforest. It's, it's not it's actually a, a rainforest. <laughs> I was loving it. Okay? I was loving it too. I, I was totally on board and accepting that in 1970. Are we five or six? I think six. Six. I think so. Yeah, 1976, Doctor Who, they didn't have massive budgets, but they seemed to make it work through this serial. Like this this almost felt, actually, like we've just lost Sarah Jane as a companion. I know. This did feel almost like a start of a, a season again. It, it felt like they were trying to rejuvenate things. They were trying to do different things. They were trying to establish new rules, even. like They threw so much at us with the kind of Gallifreyan history and rules of politics and all this kind of stuff. I agree. Hang on, let me look up the dates. Yeah, this is uh, November 1976. I had forgotten this, but you're right. It's in the middle of a season. Hand of Fear, October. This is October to November. The next one is... The next one's in January. So it's a month and a half's break, actually. I take it back. Does that count? Is this sort of a mid-season break after this? But either way, it's after this. Like this, I think... I mean, it's kind of what we just had with... New Who as well, when it's the, when the like, ponds left. It's what you have with, with every New Who season, isn't it? Like, so uh, the season ends, there's a Christmas episode, and if the, if the companions have left before, the Christmas episode is a moment for you to step away from the regular, like, the routine of having a companion to travel with. Yeah. You have a companion du jour, and then you start afresh after the new year. Yeah, I suppose you're right, actually. It's just, it's... It's all wrapped up in one series rather than being the end of a series. Yeah, you're right. Which I don't know if it's worked out with the Christmas stuff, but yeah, you know, we like I said, we've just had this with with New Who with the ponds leaving mid-series. Do you think I already know the answer? Not because I'm clever, but because I looked this up. <laughs> Do you think that we get another companion in the next episode, or are we going to have maybe the rest of the season without a companion? I don't know a hundred percent, but I'm I'm ninety percent sure we. Do get a new companion. Oh, I gave it away before, didn't I? No, oh, actually, I, we gave it away because we were I've, saying it's the only other episode is the death in, not death in heaven, yeah, what's it called? But I, I've kind of Hellbent. flicked through Hellbent? kind of screenshots of the upcoming episodes. Oh, and I, I see. I've sensed the recurring character. <laughs> I'm going to look her up. Oh, it's her. Okay. Because I, I, yeah, I was kind of scanning it a little bit ahead 
when I was so surprised that Sarah Jane left in the last one. Yeah. It's like, oh, because that that totally blindsided me. Crumbs, who's going to take over? Yeah, yeah me too. And like, then that's that and was then I was unexpected. I was kind of looking ahead a bit of like what the episodes were coming out, and accidentally kind of saw Olber's character appears and all these things. That must be the new companion, Leela. 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 I'm intrigued from what I've seen of her and her outfit. I'm intrigued how this is explained away. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> But that's for another episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look forward to that in the next one. Shall we rate this? And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 Ratings. Writer Rooney and Cheesecakes. It has been decreed that I, I shall go first. Yes, I decreed it. I loved learning more about Gallifreyan society, even though it has left me a little disillusioned. The The characters are... I'm going to be super quick about this, by the way. The, the characters are rich, they're realistic, and, and even those that haven't been fully fleshed out are granted just enough detail and just enough screen time to be completely believable. I, I'm counting... Is his name Dunstable? I don't uh, know. There could be a Dunstable. What's his name? The journalist. The TV... Oh, Runcible. Runcible. <laughs> Dunstable, I apologise. <laughs> I'm counting him chief among them anyway. As much as I miss Sarah Jane, I am pleased that she's stuck in Croydon being Mandragorad and that that consequently leaves this episode and the Doctor unencumbered by human companions and, and him free to, to roam his home world and, you know, explore and teach us more about it in the process. The Master is brilliant in this one, although I wish Delgado was still with us and portraying this role because I don't think that anyone is going to come anywhere near his levels. The only reason that I'm subtracting points is the Matrix because as I said I think there's too much of it and I disliked it enough that henceforth I shall refer to it as the Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> uh, I could have done with just a quarry and a biplane and that would have been it. Oh sorry a biplane and a hunter and that would have been it. I didn't need a train, I didn't need a clown didn't need a surgeon, didn't need all that stuff didn't need the okay. samurai. Like BBC I understand, I get it. You don't have to brag, you've got a samurai outfit. <laughs> you know, sorry samurai is probably the wrong term. Uh, a Japanese armor. However, overall, this serial is great. And it is incredibly different from previous ones that we have reviewed, and I suspect it won't quite match the serials that are to come after this one either, but it, but it is great for very different reasons than other serials that we've reviewed, and it deepens and enriches Gallifreyan lore. And we do get that gorgeous wood-paneled TARDIS console room again. Oh, we do, don't we? Yeah. Which I love. So I'm giving this, I don't know if there's going to be way more or way less than you're giving it. I'm giving this a 4.3. Ooh, nice. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay, hit it. So I, I think I mostly concur with what you said, well, what we've said throughout the entire episode, really. I also enjoy that this is basically all about the Time Lords. It's set only on Gallifrey. We get a shitload of extra stuff. We didn't know about timelines before. We get the 12 gener regeneration limit thing. Oh, yes. The yeah. Well, the fact you can run out of regenerations as a whole. You know, the, 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 there's an arbitrary number next to it. doesn't really matter. But the fact that the master is out of regenerations is an incredible yeah. thing to throw into the mix. I did actually enjoy the kind of semi-companions we get through the serial. But in a strange way, I also love that one of them is a bit of a kind of bumbling old fool. And <laughs> that a lot of the other Time Lords seem to be bumbling old fools. It's, it's a very interesting setup that they have decided either through time having passed on or just Gallifreyan society and Time Lords being part of that. They're just incredibly flawed. They're 
maybe self-interested. They they like the status quo. They they have corruption within their politics. All of this kind of stuff comes out in this serial, and we're we're left there with a, a more solid understanding of why the master and the doctor stand alone and apart from the rest of Gallifrey. Very true. And I, I think that's quite important. It, I think I could, probably could have watched this in a different frame of mind and actually been a bit disappointed that Gallifreyans are, well, Time Lords are presented in this way, that they they are these old fogies that are a bit deaf. And these, you know, these are the people that we're meant to, as an entire universe, look up to. They're meant to be the ones that are kind of bastions for the entire universe and protect people and all this kind of thing. That's what yeah. it that's what it's referred to. Certainly in New Who, like they're legends. They understood things that people could never even contemplate and all this kind of thing. But I think I just I just loved it because we were seeing it almost through the Doctor's eyes. We were seeing it how he sees them. That's kind of how it felt anyway. And I actually really liked the side jaunt into the Matrix. This, as you were, as you were giving your little mini review, actually, it made me think this may be what would happen uh, as it would have been the companion side story would have taken place during that time frame oh may not have been condensed quite so much into one episode but you know there's normally a side thing going on but because we don't have a companion to have a side adventure we get a side adventure for the doctor oh i like it and yes it's it's a little bit much at the start where just random things are going out there to try and make you afraid of the situation or the fact that the doctor's not in control the master's in control but what it settles down to being like the hunt and the the prey trying to get away i, I really loved that and i i think it was an interesting interlude and i think maybe just kind of highlighting that really how secondary the gallifreyans are and how important it is that it's the master and the doctor facing off against each other again so the master himself i think i think we've again pretty much nailed this as well he he is a good villain. He's played very well during this episode. There's just that little bit of Bond villain creeping in there. <laughs> but more so than most of the things we've had recently, I was I was buying the motivation. I was buying why he wants to wipe out the entire civilization of Gallifrey. And I, it, felt, it felt the right kind of level. It felt like there was vengeance there. There was a grievance there. So I was super on board for shitloads of this episode. <laughs> And I'm not quite going to give it an equal high score of Seeds of Doom because I think there are some niggling things. I think if I watched this in a different frame of mind, I might have been a little bit more negative, but I'm going to give it a 4.7. Oh, wow. 4.7? Yeah. Oh, well done. <laughs> I, 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 applause. Applause. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. Are you ready to see if Podcast Land agrees with us? I am. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron. It is now time for the listener mini section of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a... Do we have a handful? We have a handful. An exact handful. An exact handful. Marvellous. Right. We're starting off with Paul Forber. Hello, Paul. Hello there, Paul. Paul, you have uh, returned to your maxi-review ways, and thus... Um, Sorry, you know the rules. We're going to expurgate this review and read, in this case, about the ending. We're skipping the synopsis part of it. So we're just jumping straight to the end. You can read the rest of it on whobatwhen.com. Indeed, Rooney. Take it away. The crisis the deadly assassin detailed was also an exercise in world building, telling us about time or politics and the guards chased vandals called Shobagan. I don't remember that bit. I don't remember that bit either. <laughs> 
Anywho, the capital was built in the old times when Rassilon engineered the Eye of Harmony with relics like the Sash and the Key. Uh-huh. Consequently, Time Lords enjoyed 12 regenerations after death. Afterwards, all Time Lord knowledge was gathered into a matrix used to monitor Time Lords and predict the future. As the story unfolded, Time Lords transformed from godlike observers refusing to interfere in other planets' affairs into ridiculously vulnerable, corrupt, and self-important bureaucrats. The Doctor's investigation took him into the Matrix, where he became trapped in a nightmarish dream while hunting and being hunted by the murderer. Afterwards, his climactic struggle with the Master would threaten the Time Lord's supremacy and the universe itself. Nice one. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Also, now we know. So, Rassilon created the regenerations. Yeah. All right. And uh, people of Podcast Land, please do say hello to Paul on Twitter. He can be found at WordsmithPaul. And next up, we have... The Zunmeister. <laughs> himself, Peter Zunich. <laughs> hello, Peter. Peter starts, this icon in the Doctor Who pantheon does indeed stand up to its reputation. Until now, the Time Lords come across as virtually omnipotent, but this story casts much doubt on that premise, making them infinitely more dimensional. Indeed, we are led to believe that in many ways they are not only stagnant, but have actually become somewhat decadent. They have forgotten some of their own past technology and in some ways have fallen behind other races in the universe. This point will play an important role the next time we return to Gallifrey. Tom is perfect in this episode, carrying the entire series single-handedly. Engen and Spandrell are, while not the most outstanding actors, incredibly enjoyable foils. Agreed. The Master's makeup, lack of mouth movement, and emotion notwithstanding is incredibly scary and intimidating. This is Phantom of the Opera, Dreamscape, and the Black Hole are rolled into one story. It's not without its flaws, says Peter. It's ironic that I get somewhat bored during the action scenes within the Matrix. Not much, but I'm certainly less interested than the rest of the story. There are also only three real candidates that could be the Master's accomplice. And it wasn't going to be Runcible. <laughs> Regardless, I've seen this story countless times and I'll be happy to watch it again soon. It's a great way to evolve the Master slash Doctor feud and establish Time Lord mythology at the same time. Borosa gave it a 9 out of 10. I'll give it a similar 4.3 out of 5. That is an excellent rating. Marvellous rating, in fact, Peter. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Peter. Next up, we've got Trenton Bless. Hello, Trenton. Hello there, Trenton. Trenton starts. The Deadly Assassin is iconoclasm writ large. As an entire story unfolds on the Doctor's home planet, Robert Holmes remolds Gallifrey in a form peculiarly his own. And whatever we thought we knew about the Time Lords, we are forced to revise. I suppose bullet points would be good for this, says Trenton, because there's a lot to talk about. What I liked, he starts. Tom Baker is at his finest. Holmes's version of Gallifrey is definitely the definitive version of Gallifrey. This reinvention needed to be done. The Master was fantastic. The makeup was especially gruesome. Why wasn't this the version of the Master in the end of time? That would make that story just a little better. Agreed. <laughs> we get to see more of Gallifrey, which is always nice. Many surprises. Spoilers. Four-part arc. Perfect length. The Time Lords are as interesting as they were in the war games, but not quite. 
and the detail given to Time Lord Society. What I didn't like, he continues, some old lady tried to get Doctor Who cancelled because of this story. Some old lady indeed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Doctor has no companion, which really doesn't work as well as it should. The reinvention of the Time Lords sort of takes away their power and mystery a little bit. The scenes in the Matrix weren't super Doctor Who at all. Yeah. This is not an action movie. And Goth is played by Bernard Horsfall, but it's not the character from the war games as far as we know. Continuity much? Or maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's not Gulliver per se. Maybe it's the guy from uh, War Games that I'm thinking of. The fan theories of it being the same Time Lord. I I think there is apparently some extended media thing that says it is the same character. Oh, really? All right. Well, According to Wikipedia. All right, then. Anywho, Trenton's been another naughty boy. Oh, Trenton. Borussia is going to see up the class. <laughs> So we're not going to read out his little summary bit at the end. We're going Sorry, to go Trenton. Straight to the number. Oh, and what does he give this, Jim? He gives this 4.4 out of 5. Oh, almost a perfect score. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Trenton. 9 out of 10 for you. People who are not Trenton, please follow Trenton on Twitter. He can be found at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two what's, Jim? Imaginary snakes that have just been thrown at you to scare you in a mind game. <gasps> that is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Trenton. Thank you, Trenton. Next up, we have Michael Ridgway. 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 Hello, Michael. Michael starts with some things he likes. Mm. The opening scroll. We didn't even talk about that. We didn't. This is new. Yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> and Flash Gordon, and but not. And he, and also, sorry, we've we've already interrupted your mini Michael. <laughs> but and also, it starts with a like an intro voiceover by Tom Baker. Yes. Super different. Yeah. Back in the day, the Time Lords were mysterious. This is what he sounds like, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Tom Baker, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Next thing Michael liked, the Celestial Intervention Agency, or CIA. This is taking the piss, right? <laughs> it yes. must be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next thing is Darth Sidious Master. Mm. Mm. And John Rambo Doctor. <laughs> and then Matrix stuff. Sweet Jesus, this is brutal. Hard to believe the cartoony Android evasion was only a few stories back. Yeah. Stuffy stagnating Time Lord Civilization. And the last thing that Michael liked was the Eye of Harmony also appears in the Seven Doctors. Doctors 1996 TV movie. All his. All his. <laughs> <laughs> Michael then lists a couple of boofs. Boof. Number one, the master's rubbish mask. I can't take those goggly eyes seriously. What's wrong with a bit of decayed face makeup? CGI special edition, please, with Ian McDiarmid superimposed. And the laughing in the clock face at the end. What the hell was that? Yeah, what the hell was that? What the hell was that? But I did like the robbery mask. Yeah, I liked the robbery mask too. There was another. Boof. A lot of Time Lords kicked the bucket. Mm-hmm. The president zapped. Traitor got fried. Yeah. A bunch of Time Lords shrunk. <laughs> Hilarious. Yet none regenerate. <gasps> This is a super good point we didn't even brush against. I didn't think of it. I, ha I hadn't even realized that until now. Yeah. Michael does continue his thought with, how do the teeny tiny time lords die? Are they squished? I, I don't... Dude, you have thrown me for a loop with the no regeneration thing. That's so true. It is very true. Is it that the... Wait. Okay. So the president gets shot, doesn't regenerate... 
the assumption was that Matt Smith was not going to regenerate when he got shot a couple of times at Lake Silencio. Because he got shot during the regeneration. Was that the reason? Yeah. Okay. We could possibly hand away the president because he's about to resign. So maybe he's super, super old and through his regeneration. Well, you think you're a president not only for like four years, you're the president for 13 lives. This is the situation where you <laughs> name your successor. That is true. This is, as we've established before, not democracy. <laughs> In the slightest. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, let's let's get back to Michael's review, shall we? Okay, dokie. Okay, funniest moment, says Michael. Chalk outline of the zapped president. Yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. With the, with the <laughs> collar. Shoulder pad collar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and the rating that Michael has given this is 4.1 out of 5 teeny tiny drunken time lords. <laughs> or, and yuck. <laughs> Agreed on all accounts. Nice one, Michael. Thank you very much. Excellent as always. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, we love you, Michael. People who are not Michael, you should be following Michael. He can be found on Twitter at bad underscore movie underscore club. No more underscores. <laughs> Next up, we've got Paul Waring. Hello there, Paul. What up? Paul starts. The Deadly Assassin is in my top 10 classic Who stories, and a great example of the darker direction in which Hinchcliffe and Holmes took the series. We get to see Gallifrey properly for the first time, and it doesn't disappoint. The Time Lord costumes are wonderful, and whilst the guards' outfits look impractical, they make sense given that they perform a largely ceremonial purpose. Oh, wait, we didn't talk about the guards' outfits. No, that's true. They were amazing. Their helmets are great. Yeah. <laughs> and, the and the cape! The cape was the cape was awesome. I want that. Okay, next cosplay <laughs> challenge. To be honest, I would have worn ninety percent of the outfit. I just wasn't sure about the stripy pants. I forgot Sorry, about the stripy pants. That I've got all American trousers. Paul does continue though. He does. Hello, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> the story gets away with the absence of Sarah Jane by co-opting Engin and Spandrel as temporary companions, but I don't think this would have worked as a permanent feature, even though Tom Baker wanted to go solo. Someone needs to play the role of the audience. And as Bagels once pointed out, the Doctor needs someone to tell him how clever he is. One thing I did notice whilst re-watching this story, Paul continues, is that there are no female characters on screen. That's true. With the computer voice being the only female actor. I couldn't find out whether this was a deliberate decision, but it's the only thing which lets the story down. Well, that and the fact that Time Lord security is so lax that anyone can take weapons into presidential ceremonies. I agreed two, on two on, super good points that we, we didn't touch upon. Yeah, this is a total sausage fest and super sexist. Yeah, I had a massive pin to talk about this and we just never got around to it. Apologies, but thank you for mentioning it. Yeah, Paul. thank you, Paul. Overall, though, says Paul, Barusa may have given the Doctor 9 out of 10, but I think he deserves four marks for this. So five out of five. Oh my goodness. Wow. Oh, amazing stuff. You gotta love the love for this cereal. Yeah. Oh, Paul, thank you very much for your mini. Peeps who are not Paul, please follow Paul on Twitter. He can be found at P. Waring. That's you P. Waring. Have a little peep at what he's wearing. <laughs> That's the first, first time he's heard that, I swear to God. <laughs> Thank you very much, Paul. And that's that concludes the listener mini section of this episode. What have we got coming up next? Next, we will have a new who. Mm-hmm. Part 100. Part 100. And it will be the Crimson Horror. <gasps> that's right. Oh, Jim. 
As you just read that out loud, does that mean you are now legally bound to participate in that New Who review? I don't think that's the case, no. Okay, well, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) In any case, after that, we're going to return to Classic Who with a review of The Face of Evil. Better not be any pictures of me. (laughs) And that brings us into 1977. Ooh. Yeah, so very good. Well, we're into... Very close to Star Wars existing. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. You're right. Looking forward to seeing if there's, uh, you know, like an influence. Yeah. I bet there is. <laughs> In the meantime, you can say hello to us on Twitter. Jim, you are? I'm at Jimmy the Who. Jimmy the what now? No, Jimmy the Who. That's right. And I am at Ponkin. Yes, I know. I've rebranded. <laughs> <laughs> he was Pon Barbie before. <laughs> Until the next time, please be rad and excellent to each other, Podcast Land. You've been a lovely audience. Thank you and ciao ciao. Do take care of ourselves and each other. <laughs> See you later. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when? This is the one in which a man with crazy hair who on occasion casually objectified women who has witnessed committing a crime and who's being investigated by the CIA can run an effective presidential campaign. It's called The Deadly Assassin. Here, Here we, we go. go. Okay, let's let's record the one that we're actually using. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>